You're listening to the Golden Mike Podcast with me, the noise of the North, Dan of the Mano. This is a podcast about the lake life and toad water sports, focusing on pro wakeboarding and its athletes. My goal is to give listeners a chance to take a journey into the lifestyle and times of me, my peers, and the people we meet along the way. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the Golden Mike Podcast. Oi, good day, mates, and thanks for tuning in to the Golden White Podcast with Dano the Mano. <laughs> pardon my accent. Uh, pardon my accent, but we have a fantastic guest today. Originally hailing from Sydney, Australia, I have with me here the two-time World Wakeboard Champion, five-time U.S. National Champion, Wake Games Champion, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, but you are also the current reigning queen of wake. I've got none other than Miss Amber Wing in the house. What's up, Amber? Hey, Dano. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so thanks for, for being my guest this week on the Golden Mike podcast. I think you are number six. It's kind of a toss-up with you and T-Gas. I'm calling T-Gas the 6.2. <laughs> we, we had an interview, but... Um, Thomas DeGasperi, but it didn't uh, end up getting recorded correctly, but now we've got these new nifty microphones. What do you think? Ah, so it's all about the technicalities. Yes, the technology. So, yeah, and the technology. Oh, well, tied, tied with T-Gas. That's not too bad. Well, we actually did spend a little time with T-Gas last Saturday, I think it was, or a couple Saturdays ago now, uh, before Thomas went to Italy. It was you and me and Dean Smith, your boyfriend, and we did a little water skiing. Yeah, that was a super fun day. I've still got a bruise on my spray leg from uh, from getting through the course, but yeah, I love going out and skiing with T gas. Now, did you run the course on your on your wakeboard? No, on a slalom ski. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> True blue style. I know, but you know what? I bet you a lot of folks in the world of wakeboarding don't know what a spray leg is. No, I don't think they would, and it is quite painful, actually. Yeah, it is. You know, it's black and blue up your calf. Of your back leg. Your calf. Your calf. Your cough. <laughs> no, this is a cough. <laughs> um, no. But, uh, yeah, seriously, so, um, yeah, the spray leg. So a lot of skiers actually wear neoprene sleeves. They actually started that whole thing. You see basketball players doing that. A yeah. lot of athletes. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've totally got to get one for the next time that I come slalom skiing with UNT gas. Yeah, and we, uh, we actually, before we recorded... Here today, we did a little shredding, just you and me and the film crew, uh, out by you in Claremont. Yeah, Lake Mini Haha goodness. We had butter for days, yeah. the lake to ourselves. That was so cool. I was so happy. It was. How often do you get to the lake and you're, you go out to do something and it's just windy? But we're professionals. You're a professional. I'm an enthusiast. But you got to do it. You got to go out there any condition. But today... Yeah, today we just got the goods, and it makes it so much more enjoyable. So. We we got the goods, but we also lost the goods. We did lose the goods. Ah. Uh, GoPro. GoPro into the lake. Gone pro, more Gone like pro. it. Oh, man. Gosh, definitely we, not amber-proof. I know. Hey, you know what? <laughs> it happens, but I'm... I'm so bummed out because we we got such cool footage in the car ride. We had such cool footage of us doing yoga. My first time, well, my first time getting back into yoga since the and first time I tried. The 
watering the garden. We had some really mm. cool action shots from the garden, but um, what we're talking about is the uh, some of the video stuff that we've done with Amber today and earlier today, and that's all. That stuff is probably going to go up before the actual interview. So. Uh, hopefully we'll get some people listening to the interview from that and some people who are listening to this can go back to noiseofthenorth.com and check out some of that footage but we had a really good time uh we, we still got the footage just with our regular cameras we lost the gopro hopefully maybe gopro will set us up maybe they'll send us one or five to yeah. replace it because <laughs> yeah who knows how many times i'm going to break that you case almost again. lost one yesterday <laughs> too right yep yeah broke a case yesterday a case open, got water in it, so I had two separate issues yesterday and then today. You are you are intense. Yeah, bit too bit too hardcore. <laughs> well, you know what? We had a good time and we captured it all, and I think everybody's really gonna enjoy it. And I, I had a great time enjoying my time on the water with you today, as always, though, of course. So, um, I think you're really gonna like our interview today. And uh, we're going to get to that here in just a few minutes. I, I prepared some really cool questions for you. And also got some questions from some fans of yours. Oh, Possibly cool. some fans that you know. Possibly some fans that you don't know. Ooh. Yeah, so we'll get back to that in a few minutes. But I want to bring this up. Here at the Golden Mike Podcast, we, we're on some great momentum right now. Seeing some great stuff with the website, noiseofthenorth.com. We're getting it updated, and we're trying to make it easier and easier for you guys to navigate through all the content. I'm also really, really proud to announce that we're now on iTunes. Before you heard this episode, we had five episodes already up on iTunes. This is going to be our sixth episode with Amber Wing. We're getting bigger every day, new listeners, new subscribers. I'm, I'm really stoked, but I want to know who's listening. I want to come out here and I want to produce helpful, insightful, and of course, entertaining content. Guys, I'm lucky enough to be friends with the best in the industry. Tell me who you want to hear. What do you know, want to know about the athletes or even the industry? Let the golden mic inform you by you informing me. You can post all your thoughts on the website. It's that easy, guys. Or you can just email me directly at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com plus I started another Twitter account specifically for the Golden Mike podcast. That's at the golden underscore Mike. That's pretty much going to be photos and tweets from my gold Mike, from my travels and from all of the folks who I'm hanging out with. And I'm really excited to, to get a million followers. We'll see if that can happen. We'll be right back with Amber Wing here on the Golden Mike podcast in just a few moments. But uh, first, have a listen to this audio montage we put together from the 2014 Masters. Uh, my name is Beth Gange and I'm from Mildura, Australia and stoked to be here at the 2014 Masters. Favorite part was I landed my first ever chromo. Ryan Wolf, one of the judges this weekend here at the Masters. Ryan, talk a little bit about that final. Talk a little bit about uh, all those double ups we saw this evening. Um, first of all, Dana, you were pretty amazing all weekend long. So, cheers to you, my friend. But no, the final was the, one of the most intense finals that I've seen in a long time. Rusty stomping the biggest 1080 I've ever seen. Um, Phil sticking a nose grab chrome up 720 was absolutely insane. The wake was huge, everything was perfect, conditions were great, guys were killing it, it was insane. 
All right, guys, I'm standing here with the Bone Crusher, Rusty Melanowski at the 2014 Masters. Rusty, you went out there, you put down two solid passes, but one of the biggest moments in Masters history, you went down and you threw it down a 1080. How did it feel? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely excited. I had a little bit of a bobble in my second pass where I fell on the mute mode, which I don't do very often, but uh, to come back and have the pressure of knowing that I have to land that 1080 to, you know, probably push for the win or second place was a great feeling and the Jimmy Trask drove the double up perfect and I got into it and as soon as I hit the double up I knew I got straight pop and um, came down like perfect transition it was a pretty awesome feeling. Alright guys I'm sitting here at the Masters with the factory rep for Hyperlite HO and the Byerly board brand he's been here for 30 straight years Eddie Beverly Ebev what makes the 2014 Masters so special? Oh, wow. It has to be the incredible wakeboarding we saw today. I mean, 1080s and double flips. And whoever thought you'd do a 1080 and walk out of here without the trophy? I mean, it's unbelievable. It, it, Ten years ago, if you did a 1080 all by itself, you would have won. So the, uh, just the level of competition we saw today was incredible. I'm James Balzer from uh, Abbotsford, British Columbia. Uh, probably the best thing about the Masters is having the crowd right there, you know, right in your face. You're going down the lake, and it's like... Uh, athlete's dream. You're out there on the water, everybody's yelling, cheering for you. You feel like a gladiator, but you're not. You're wet. You probably, you might get hurt, but you're not even wearing any pads, but you somehow feel like a gladiator. I'm standing here with the president and CEO of the Nautique brand, Mr. Bill Jurgen. Bill, what's the most memorable moment for you of the 2014 Masters? Daniel, I don't even know where to start. What an amazing weekend. Six course records, and that men's wakeboard final was off the chains. I, I don't ever remember a final like that at any event over the years. Overall, it was an amazing weekend. Guys, I'm standing here with the winner of the 2014 Masters, Philip Sovin. Phil, there's a lot of pressure out there during the final. Harley Clifford put down that double tantrum and a really, really impressive ride. But you went out there. Today was your day. Can you tell us a little bit about your run? Yeah, going into it, it wasn't really a, uh, a question of mine. It was just going all out and go for the win and can't uh, can't wait out on anything just got to go for it amber wing this is your second masters win you've been coming to the masters for a long time uh what's your favorite part about coming out here to callaway gardens uh just that i get to do my two favorite sports golf and wakeboard danny hampson a two-time wake skate national and two-time wake games wake skate champion danny you took your first win here at the masters you've been here since day one what makes this victory so special uh, it's the Masters, man. It's a contest I've always really wanted to do well at. Uh, it'll probably be the best conditions we have all year. It's always perfect here at Robin Lake. Uh, the people who run the event do a great job putting it on. And it's a fun event to come ride in because you're going to get good water, good crowd, and just have a good time. I've had a really good time. just feels great to win. So excited. What's the most memorable moment from the Masters? Uh, probably playing golf yesterday with James Balzer. I had a lot of fun. Are you the ultimate wakeboarder fan? Then you need to download the WakeScope app. Follow wake events worldwide and get the full breakdown by heats, tricks, get rider rankings, and much more. Download the WakeScope app available in the App Store. And we're back with Amber Wang. Hello, love. <laughs> G'day, mate. Is my accent just totally off? Oh, it's fabulous. Uh, right on point. All of my accents are the same. <laughs> um, my, my, my Middle Eastern accents are different than my 
Australian. My Australian accents are also the same as my English, as well as my Irish. Ah, oh, right. Yes. What about you, Kiwi? Uh, you know, actually, I, I've got a heads up on that because Brad Smela, who I announced with, obviously, oh, is yeah. always trying to tell me. He's like, but you know when Smela's telling you, he's always trying to like, you know, <laughs> I love Smela. He's an awesome dude, but he's always like basically like, yeah, this is the difference between an Australian and a Kiwi accent. But at the same time, <laughs> our accent's really the accent, you know, it's an accent. That's like we're talking, we're talking with someone between a Canadian and a U.S. accent. Oh, you don't know the difference? Oh, I can tell the difference. But can you tell the difference between somebody from northern Wisconsin and Canada? Well, that's a little bit tougher. Yeah. A lot of people so, think that I sound Canadian. Do you think I sound Canadian? No. What do I sound? Nor- Flor- I, I don't know. I'm from Chicago. I've yeah, started to adapt. You've got a little bit of, still got your little bit of Chicago. Sometimes I lay it on. Yeah. Have you heard that when I'm like, oh, I'm heading up to Wisconsin to have some hot dogs. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> see the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> uh, I want to start by congratulating you. I can't believe that we've we've gone this long without talking about it already. I've had you in the studio for like eight minutes total. <laughs> Congratulations, your second master's title. Thank you. Yeah, I was super pumped to win the master's the other weekend. Was that that is your second, right? Yep. Yeah, it's my second, and um, yeah, the finals. You know, lineup was super packed as usual. I actually wrote down the final right here. It was Beck Gaines. Yep. Off the dock first, followed by you. Mm-hmm. And then you were followed up by Dallas Friday. Yep. And then Megan Ethel was last off the dock. Yeah. Between the two days, semifinals and finals, that was probably the best I've seen girls perform in a situation like that, oh, the yeah. tricks were just unbelievable. And day one, mob tricks, uh, yeah. Megan. Chromo, back five. Yeah, it was I mean, amazing. Between the two KGB. days, how many falls were there between all of you girls? Like, I think there was like maybe a total of like three or four falls between semifinals and finals. It was. Yeah, not too many. I mean, we were so lucky to have just the perfect conditions, which is, you know, makes the contest better when there's no wind, we, you know. The, the lake is flat, so traditionally pushing a good wake and makes it easy for everyone to, you know, really perform to their best. Traditionally, the Masters, though, I mean, it's, it's called the most prestigious event, and I do know it's very, very important, and I'm going to find out from you why it's important in just a moment, but traditionally over the last few years, you know, this is my ninth year announcing at the Masters, and... Conditions are usually a little bit different out there. It seemed like this year they they really had the water under control somehow. Yeah, well, this year in the um, riders skiers meeting, they said that they lowered the lake level to try and reduce the rollers, and it completely worked. There was a lot less rollers, a lot less bounce back. So it was great that they actively, you know, pursued that to give us even better conditions for the masters. Yeah, and you, even with even with I know like today we were out in the boat and you were like, hey, drive this line because the water's deeper. But that didn't seem to to mess you guys up. Or the Masters is pretty deep, no matter what. Um, Robin Lake is really deep. It's deep. So it's deep in awesome. championships and personal bests. Oh yeah, as well as fate. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, 
That was awesome. I want to say congratulations. And one cool thing was I remember actually I heard you say it feels really good to win the Masters after fully standing it up. Yeah, definitely, you know, you go out there and if you ride exactly how you wanted to ride and stand up, you, you know, you feel a joy inside and you're like really stoked with how you went and whatever position you come out, like that's, you know, where you're going to stand. But then to then put a win on top of that, it just, you know, makes it even better. On day one, Megan Ethel, hands down, just really just crushed it. And she didn't have the, her best run of her career during finals, and she was top-seeded rider. You think that the fact that you and Beck, and I, if I'm not mistaken, even Dallas. Dallas stood up your runs before she hit the water? Yeah, I mean, definitely being last off the dock, you know, the pressure's on, you're standing there. She's standing there knowing exactly what she has to do, and... And that pressure, like, you know, to deal with that and go out and do what you have to do, like, is really difficult. So, yeah, after semifinals, when I knew um, that I was going to be second off the dock, I was actually pretty happy and I mentioned it to someone. I was like, oh, I'm kind of happy that I'm second off the dock because I can just go out, do what I would do, you know, to try and win and then see what the other girls deliver. Would you have changed that run-up at all if you were last off the dock? No, I would have done the exact same run. Smart. Smart. <laughs> you were there to perform. You were there. You knew. You yeah, knew, I, was go, I was standing on the dock, and I'm like, I'm going to do a run that's either going to win or I'm going to fall, and I'm going to place wherever I placed if I fell. So, yeah, I laid it, I laid it on the line, and, and it worked. Yeah. Congrats again. So how many titles does this – how many Masters titles does this bring to the – wing family name i didn't even know the answer to that question I'm i mean not 55 sure. there this was the 55th masters i'd have to know i'd have to i don't know if um brett competed in the masters my uncle brett wing if he competed uh yeah in three event in the masters or not I, I, asked I can't that, remember. I asked that question to transition into my next question. Do you like it? Very professional here with the Love interview. It. Love it. Um, the Wing family has a rich history in toad water sports from uh, three-event water skiing like uh, Amber was just talking about to barefooting and even ski racing. Can you touch a little bit on, on that for us? Yeah, my family has, you know, pretty much competed in every sport behind the boat considered under the water skiing banner that's for sure um my brother is a three event skier he's um been ranked you know in the top five in the world in trick skiing and uh my dad and his brother uh grew up barefooting and they held the my uncle held the forward speed record in barefooting and my dad currently holds the backward speed record in barefooting and my uncle also won multiple world championships. I think five-time world barefoot champion. And uh, and then my mom was a ski racer, and she won the world championships in 1979 and spent a lot of time in California. And she was the first women's. Yep, first, first ski race world championships were held in 1979, and her and another Australian, Wayne Ritchie, 
they won open men's and open women's. Okay, so so would you say it's safe to say that your family's kind of like the Australian Boniface? <laughs> yeah, definitely. We just no, actually, I was going to say that we weren't into show skiing, but um, Brett was in. You know, after he retired from competing, he show skied for another for thirty years. I Did think. Did you show ski at all or no? No, I've never. I've I, never I wonder if everybody skiing. out there knows yeah. what show skiing is. That's what I, that's what I do. I grew up in the ski show. You do pyramids. You do barefoot lines, ballet lines, doubles with girls, and it's just a different. It's a different discipline. It kind of brings a little bit of everything in toad water sports together. Yeah, and you could have kneeboarders, tubers, clowns. Yeah. yeah, well, Brett, he was definitely the main attraction for the ski show, being the barefoot world champion jumping off the tall towers and out of helicopters to start the start the show off. Um, and then, yeah, two ski and one ski off the jump, doing flips and mobs and yeah. everything else. That's, so. that's what I like. I guess it's not really as much anymore, but the original crew of Australian wakeboarders were over, you know, Daniel, and, Daniel Watkins and Brett Eisenhower. And... You know, even going up to like Chris O'Shea, you know, these yep. guys, you give them anything on the yep. water and they're like great at it. They're, you know, they can hit the ramp and do flips on skis. They can, Chris O'Shea was a, we taught, we had him here on the show. He's a champion barefooter. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I mean, we just grow up, you know, when you grow up um, on the water in Australia, like, and we all, you know, became wakeboarders, but we all grew up skiing and barefooting and, and doing everything. Actually, Dedo, I just remembered I have been in a ski show. Which one? In Australia. I was uh, on Australia Day, so our 4th of July. Is that where you learned to throw the Mars bars? Yeah, I I wakeboarded in the ski show, and it was a Toy Story theme. Oh, nice. And I think I was uh, the girl... Is she uh, I Jessie Dolly? Or I don't, I don't know. know. It's been I I was I was into Toy Story one. So yeah. Oh hey. Well, it's the girl, the girl cowboy. Yeah, girl I think that's cow, that's Toy Story two. Oh okay. I should know. I live ten miles from Disney. Yeah. I should I should be an expert. I know people are going to be interested in this. You you mentioned your uncle and your dad holding world records for speed on bare feet. And your uncle with the forward barefoot speed record and your dad with the backward speed uh, record. Now, I barefoot at 40 miles an hour. That is really fast. I think my dad's record was at 80 mile an hour. I think, or is it 80Ks? That's hour? backwards. Yeah. Brett's record was definitely faster. Like the forwards record was faster than the backwards. They did it on the same day. There was hats and merchandise no. for the day. Yeah. Could you find and, me one of these? Oh, I could try. But yeah, so they did it on one day and had the Guinness World Record, like, yep, Guinness Book out there. And so growing up as a kid, I could look my dad up in the Guinness Book of Records. You probably which I still thought can. was really cool. Yeah, and I still can. But He's now, but now that you're all famous and stuff, it's not I'm bad. not in there. Oh, I, no, yes, actually. What are you in there for? Um, I was part of the team that did the road cable. We, oh, yeah. Like okay. nonstop wakeboarding for 24 hours yep. or yep. the longest time. You guys so did that in Ohio, it. right? Yeah, up in Ohio. 
yeah. throughout the night. So maybe my name is in there. Very cool. Well, we'll, we'll have to I'll take have to a look. Yeah, we'll have to look for that. So, Amber, you weren't always going to be a part of toad water sports or wakeboarding. Um, you were a serious gymnast, like Olympic status. Yeah, I mean, I started gymnastics when I was two and a half, and I didn't retire until I was 18. And, yeah, it was my life. I just loved it as much as I love wakeboarding now. And, uh, yeah, that's all I would think about. And I was the Australian um, all-round and vault and floor champion. Then I went on to compete in senior elite, which is the Olympic level. And, yeah, I was in the, you know, around the top eight in Australia in the year 2000 and the Olympics were in Sydney. And so I really, um, my goal was to compete in the Sydney Olympics. And uh, a couple of weeks before the Olympic trials, I placed third at the state titles. And then a couple of weeks before the Olympic trials, I shattered my ankle and that pretty much finished my gymnastics career. No. Oh. Yep. So, yeah, I saw three specialists trying to, like, get them to fix it so I could get and back into gym. And I wanted to come to America and and were you get planning? a scholarship. Were you going to make a comeback? Yeah, I, was, I tried for, like, all of – I broke my ankle in March and I tried until November to, like, get it better and come back because I wanted to get a scholarship to do college gymnastics in America. So I wanted to go to, like, UCLA or something like that. Yeah. And uh, be on their gymnastics team. But – wasn't meant to be. So did you, you know, you, you grew up in the royal family, the, the Australian royal family of toad water sports. And like, are you water skiing as a kid in between gymnastics? Are you, are you training at all? I mean, I know, I know that to get to the level that your brother is at, I know to get to that level that your brother's at, I mean, I see how the water skiers train here. And, you know, I'm really good friends with, with a slalom skier, I see how he trains. But your brother's not just a good slalom skier. He's a he's a good trick skier. He's a great trick skier, one of the best in the world, and a fantastic jumper. I mean, he can compete. Uh, it sounds like you were at same similar level in gymnastics while he's doing this at water skiing. But at the same time, are you out there training, practicing, learning water skiing at this time? Um. Yeah, I learned to ski when I was about two or three years old. And, um, you know, with my parents, we always had a boat and we were always out on the boat. So when I wasn't at gymnastics in, you know, gymnastics was in the afternoon. It was after school, um, before school, a couple of mornings a week, maybe, you know, it was two or three mornings a week before school. Our whole family, which I have my sister as well. So three kids, mum and dad in the boat like heading to the ramp 5.30 in the morning, the whole family would ski and then we'd be back putting the boat away at 8 o'clock and uh, flushing it because we'd be in salt water, wash it and then dad would head off to work at quarter past eight. Mum would take us three kids to school by 9 o'clock and then mum would head to work with dad at wing wetsuits at our family business and that was like, that was just normal. That was how it was and... We, yeah, got woken up to, here's your, here's your bikini, here's your tracksuit, put it on, get in the boat, we're going skiing, and, yeah, 
Joel would ski, mum would ski, dad would ski, and then it, could it be was worse, pretty though. much scissors, paper, rock between who was going to go between Dominique and I first because we uh, both, both were too keen on skiing but when we're once we got out there behind the boat we were having fun it could be worse it could be like sending you to track or something like that yeah exactly <laughs> like we were complaining about you know having to be out on the river the only boat on the river in the morning <laughs> and it's beautiful <laughs> yeah now nowadays we just be like oh yes yeah. absolutely yeah please mom and dad wake me up give me yeah. breakfast <laughs> pay for my gas take me pull me around the lake <laughs> until i'm content but um, Joel, Joel would make, wake mum and dad up. So he would wake them up and go, like, they'd be like, yeah, Joel, you can ski in the morning as long as you wake us up. And that was when I started wakeboarding. I mean, I was 18 and go wake, you know, mum or dad up to help put the boat in and they'd be more than happy to drive for us. But it definitely, yeah, was one of us kids having the motivation. <laughs> Not We weren't actually, you know, forced. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I I I wasn't allowed to wakeboard growing <laughs> up. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, was your family like that at all? My, it wasn't my mom so much as my dad. And I grew up with Eric Ruck, and Ruck was wakeboarding, and my dad just didn't see it. My dad thought that wakeboarding was was just. Uh, and even today, he's like, "Well, I I thought it was kneeboarding," and I'm like, "No offense, but why do you hate on kneeboarding? You know, like uh, I think it, whatever anybody wants to do behind the boat." Like, it boggles my mind to hear anybody in our industry on either end or any which end talk smack about kneeboarding or wakeboarding or skiing. I just think, like, if you've got a rope in your hand and you're being towed, then I feel like you should just, well, maybe you don't want to do it, but what's the point of, of like, being like, oh, forget about, uh, forget about Forget about wakeboarding or forget about water skiing, you know, it's fun. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, growing up, like, we would, whatever new thing, new toy came out to go behind the boat, like, my parents would get their hands on it and have a go. So, like, I remember, like, when the air chair first came out and, like, the first ones came to Australia and, like, watching my mum and dad have a go on, like, the air chair. And then, yeah, I remember wakeboarding when it first came out and, yeah, my parents had a go on it. I think the board was really big. Like, they didn't ask us and we didn't ask if we could have a go. But I just remember, yeah, them having to carve around on it. And then as I got a bit older, I think I was about 15 and a couple of my mates that I was hanging out with, they got wakeboards and uh, and would we'd go wakeboarding behind little John boats. We call them tinnies in Australia. Yeah. And so, but I mean, everyone, like the river that I grew up in that is right by the beach. So before that, and still now, like everyone is out in their tinnies, like on their surfboards or on their bodyboards. Like guys are out there, like on the bay, like getting whipped yeah. on their knees on a bodyboard, like, and just cruising around, riding doubles, like on their knees on a bodyboard. There's guys like cruising around on their surfboard. Like you think about it, how long people have been doing stuff like that. And yeah. you think wake surfing's only been around for maybe a decade, but realistically wake surfing has yeah. has been around forever. Forever. Uh, yeah. because, because when there's no waves, they're in on the river getting towed behind a boat. From the time the way I see it is from the time there was was a surfboard and a boat and, and a boat with an engine. 
I'm sure they were tossing a rope behind and somebody was standing up yep. and getting pulled across the water. I yeah, mean, definitely. So Yeah, so we had yeah, we had discs, shoe skis, trick skis, planks, like you name it. I love I've it. grown up with that in the in the boat shed of what are you gonna try? Yeah, you mentioned obviously it was you were about eighteen when you got the the injury with your ankle, right? Yeah. So how how long after that did you start pursuing wakeboarding? And, and how long after that was it that you started pursuing it at a pro level? So I tried wakeboarding when I was 15 and I was, so I would say like I was dabbling, like, you know, every other weekend or hanging out with my mates, like I'd jump on a wakeboard, but I couldn't really do anything. And you were then, probably getting a little bit of exposure still though, because... No, not then. Really? Not then. When I was 18 was when I jumped on, when like I got a wakeboard for Christmas and I was like, yep, I'm going to do this. So this is about 2000. Sorry to... Yep, 2000, 2001, that summer. Do you remember what kind of board it was? Um, it was a trip. A trip. Like a first trip with Super Suction. You guys still have that board? I don't know where it is. Actually, you know, I got a board before that that I rode three times. So, like, in 2000 for my birthday, the start of the year, I got a free motion journey. Right. And uh, I had that. And I rode it three times because I broke my ankle and I was training gymnastics. And then and then I worked out that it wasn't a very good board. <laughs> and uh, so then that that Christmas, the same year, 2000, my dad got this secondhand, totally beat up trip from some of his friends and uh, re-epoxied some of the bottom because they'd hit it on rails. So like the whole like bottom was tore out right. so we like re-epoxied it and goes here's your wakeboard pretty much i don't believe you that you're gonna get into the sport but this is what you asked for for christmas so you know i don't know you probably bought it for like a 100 bucks or something and uh yeah then i started going like all the time like when my parents would ski in the mornings i'd be out of my wakeboard like i think after a month i learned a tantrum and uh, i started like going to like there was like a girls day that they had like and just any any wakeboard things that i could find of people getting together and and riding and that i could go behind a wakeboard boat that's what i do because we just had a australian built ski boat and um and then that year in 2001 i went to university and my university had a wake setter so and they were at a wakeboard club. So that was awesome because I'd just gone to uni and joined the wakeboard club. And so then during the week, I'd go wakeboarding with the wakeboard club at uni and just trying to find rides any way possible. On the weekends, my grandparents lived on the river and I would like stand there with my wakeboard and start waving at people. Oh, come over. Oh, yeah. You I'm, sure, I'm sure it wasn't too tough for you to find a ride. No, <laughs> it's really easy for girls to find yeah <laughs> a ride in a boat to go wakeboarding absolutely and so yeah i like <laughs> I'm sure. knew every boat on the river so when did so what what around what year was it that you went pro my first pro competition was 2003 i came over competed at the pro tour stop in portland made it to finals and i placed fourth and so that was and then from there i went to malibu open a couple weeks later and placed fourth as well and I rode Gravity Games that year and Nationals and Worlds. You could say, two th I mean, 2003 was my first year that I competed pro. 
Um, I think the first year that I got signed on was 2004 in September at Surf Expo. What was the Aussie scene like back in like 2000 and what's like the difference nowadays? Uh, the Aussie season was awesome because, I mean, you had Daniel, Josh and Ike, like, you know, they're all like pushing it in Australia, trying to get, you know, they got the Australian Pro Tour up and running. And um, yeah, we had lots of pro events and just, it was really, um, you know, we'd all come from America, especially like 2003, I think I came to America and that was the first year that we had the Australian Pro Tour and that ran for for four years as long as you know Daniel and Josh and Ike could you know keep their hands on it and keep it under control and then when they kind of like had families and and couldn't you know didn't have enough time to keep that under control that's when it kind of got out of that's when the Aussie Pro Tour kind of faded away. Yeah, I was always hoping that I'd get to come over and announce the Australian Pro Tour sometime but now I'm, I'm going to have to settle for the Moomba Masters. Yeah, come over for Moomba. You'd love Moomba. How many Moomba Masters have you won? There's never been women's wakeboarding at the Moomba Masters. I actually knew that. I was just provoking <laughs> you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what's up with Australia producing? I talked about this with Chris O'Shea, but what's up with Australia pr- producing just just ultimate talent in wakeboarding? I look at Harley Clifford, Okay. I've been watching that kid for so long. And then you see Tony Iaconi kind of on that same path. And then you see uh, Beck. I mean, she is just ripping right now. Unbelievable. Okay, then we start talking about some of these little kids. Uh, I saw a couple of kids at the Gravel Tour. Uh, Nick Rappa. Yep. Blows my mind, this guy. But then you even keep going younger and younger. Zara Kell. Sam Brown, is it just wakeboarding or is the or should the rest of the world be ready for their sports to get taken over by <laughs> Australia? Yeah, I mean, like definitely wakeboarding for sure Australia just has a dominance in it. I guess the kids just have um you know, the opportunity to go out wakeboarding every day cuz these kids like live really close to a river, you know, they're motivated and their parents are there taking them out. When their kid asks if they can go wakeboarding, the parents are like, yes, I will take you. I don't know how we find the time, how my parents find found the time and, and you know, plan on doing it for the same for, you know, I feel like, a family. Like, I feel like I spent a lot of time on the water. And, yes, you, you've seen me. T- you saw me today. I mean, obviously... I I can perform on the water better than somebody who's been, say, going out there for a year or two. But at the same time, I've I've trick skied for twenty years. I should be like tricking like eight thousand points. Yeah. Well, I mean, these <laughs> kids are just good. I'm mean, like Tony, Zara, Sam. They've all like spent mo- you know, the majority of time on the water with Scotty Kell, who really is one of the best wakeboard coaches in the world. He grew up ski racing and then wakeboarding and so he just has such a depth in his family of water sports and he knows how to coach. Like clearly he knows how to coach because you're seeing all these kids coming and just blowing people's minds. Do you and think then, that the Americans are blowing it on the helmet with the monitors? Yeah, in it? with head zone. Maybe they need to get the helmets with the, with the radio communication in it because, yeah, that's what Scotty Kell uses and... 
talks to the kids out there and and that's how that's how he coaches them I mean uh Harley Clifford's dad grew up barefooting with you know my mom and dad and so he grew up on the water and then Harley has wakeboarded you know he was like a five-year-old at the first contest that wakeboard contest that I went to just uh the annoying little kid running around asking you what tricks you can land and you just uh I used to just pull out like a trick that I knew knew he couldn't land and be like hey Harley can you land this trick what do you no, say now and then he would go around. <laughs> yeah now I'm just like wow one I used to <laughs> I used to have tricks that Harley couldn't land but you know not anymore that's long gone those days your family's got to be proud the wings have got to be proud you've you've done pretty well for yourself not only in um in contests winnings but you've also created a lot of firsts for women in wakeboarding. You were the first to do a 720. You were the first to do a 900. And you were the first girl to do a double flip. How do you continue to do that? Like, how do you continue to kind of keep growing your riding? And do you see, like, any more women's firsts coming from you anytime soon? Yeah, I guess um, they just kind of happen, you know. Like, I ride with the guys and... um, you know, it was just a progression of my riding. Like, I'd done so many toe fives. Like, you know, it's time to add a 180 and do a toe seven and then um, heel seven. Like, yeah, the same thing. And toe nine, you know, I was landing my toe sevens really consistent. I was like, you know, time to just take the next step. So it was, I never, like, was like, I'm going to be the first girl to do this or, you know, even a double flip. Like, I was encouraging you know, some other girls, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be the first girl to do a double flip. Like, there's got to be other girls that, you know, on the cable that are trying them or are going to do them. And I was like, it's not really my thing. But yeah, I guess I just went to the cable park and I'd watch the guys do so many mute are double half Are there other girls doing it now? No, no other girl has landed a double. Wow. If you try and like, think about learning a new trick or being the first person to do something sometimes it just gets overwhelming and you beat yourself up and take hard slams and yeah it's just kind of when the day comes and the time's right to progress to the next trick like that's what I that's what I did and just happened to land them well Amber you've uh you've become a role model for girls and an ambassador for for wakeboarding I don't want to make it like I was cyber stalking you, but I I went back and checked out some of your uh, tweets and t- retweets and whatnot, and ran across. I I should have written it down, but a girl that was is being bullied for wakeboarding. Yeah, that was the craziest. When I got her tweet, and uh, yeah, she was getting bullied for wakeboarding. I just couldn't believe it. I was I was blown away. So. Yeah, I definitely, you know, made an effort to communicate with her and, yeah, just tell her to, yeah, not worry about those people and don't listen to what they say because, you know, wakeboarding's fun and she enjoys doing it and it doesn't matter if you're good or bad or it's just about having fun out there. I feel like if I'm this, if I am this person who you retweeted to, who you tweeted to, like now I'm on the water every day. Amber Wing just told me that I could I can do it, you know? This you better watch out. Like, I, this girl <laughs> might be coming for you. Do you remember what her name was on Twitter? Good. No, I can't remember off the uh, top of my head. But that's all right. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I that's all I wanna do. I just wanna encourage girls to wakeboard, get as many girls out there as possible, teach as many girls as possible and yeah. 
touch as many girls' hearts as possible. If they, you know, reach out to me, I definitely reply. Do you have any advice for, for girls coming into the sport? Just keep getting out there. It's all about time on the water. So the more time you spend out there on the board, the more board control that you gain and the easier your tricks will become to land. Amber, this last February it was announced that women would not be returning to the Pro Tour this season. Uh, it's no secret that the girls and yourself were all surprised by the announcement and you went on to write about it on your blog, www.amberwing.com.au. I want to say I thought you took like a, a really professional approach to the situation. You seemed to stay calm and collected, but you still got your message out there. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a huge shock, you know. Not one female in wakeboarding um, got a heads up or and asked their opinion or you know anything regarding women not being on the US Pro Tour anymore. So when we got that email with the schedule come out and that we weren't on tour at all, it was quite devastating. I know a lot of the girls, you know, took it to heart pretty harshly and um, yeah, were definitely really upset. And I guess I, I pondered on it for a couple of days and then I just woke up one morning and started typing and that was the blog. Like it took me about five or ten minutes to write. I just posted it and I just had had, you know, phone calls and Facebook messages and emails and tweets and and I just wanted to, you know, answers, answer everyone's question in in one small brief, you know, words that everyone could go to and then Wakeworld picked it up and Alliance and Transworld and, and it definitely got reposted a lot and everywhere and it's definitely a negative situation but there's a lot of positives that have um, come out of it and you know women's wakeboarding is definitely going to grow from it and get stronger and we've had you know business women approach us that are in marketing and management and to help guide us in putting on some women's only events so that's our goal that we're trying to achieve and hopefully we can um, achieve that next year. You stated in the blog, and I quote here, you were worried about the professional side of women's wakeboarding and you said, not only are less girls getting paid, the current women at the top of the sport are being paid less and now we have no pro tour. The future of professional women's wakeboarding is looking grim. Coming off my Queen of Wake win last year and uh, talking to a lot of the girls, a lot of the girls um, after last season had sponsorship drops um, and getting paid less and it was a tough six months from October until March and the announcement of the Pro Tour was pretty much the icing on the cake from, you know, of all the of all these events leading, you know, leading up to that of, girls getting paid less, me talking to girls, um, you know, them coming to me and, you know, we don't ex discuss exact figures, but, you know, knowing that contracts were getting chopped in half and on a whole, like, you know, even myself after winning Queen of Wake, I had decreases in some of my contracts and my overall income became less. And so that's quite heart-wrenching. And so that's what, you know, that was talking about was between, you know, myself, Dallas, Nicola Butler, you know, coming off the season last year into this year, like, you know, our total incomes had all declined. And so 
you know, here we are trying to encourage all these little girls and the Shred Sisters and, and get them all into the sport. And, you know, I'm talking to Kathy Williams about it and we're like, for what? You know, like if we're getting paid less right now and we've got, you know, all these girls coming into the sport, is there going to be a professional circuit and will they get paid a professional income? It's one thing to get sponsorship dollars, but it's another thing to actually make a living, be able to purchase a house, you know, pay a mortgage, yeah, you know. Absolutely, and, you're doing and, a job. And pay, you are you doing know, a job. And do your job as a professional, you know, like if you're a, a lawyer or you're a doctor and you're considered that's, you know, your profession, if you're only making, you know, 10 grand to be a lawyer, you're not really a professional. Right. So that's Gotta pay like, the bills. Yeah. And it, and, and it is your job and announcing is my job. And, you know, people see, here's the thing. People will look at us and, or, and, and people like, and people will look at like you in general. And it's like, yes, you are living the dream. You do get to do what you love every single day. But as you said right there, there are doctors and lawyers that love to go to work and them making a case or saving a body is like you landing a 720 in yeah. a contest. I mean, exactly. And what the top 10 men get paid or even the top three men get paid, you know, us girls aren't even making a third of that. So that's that's the bit that really frustrates me. And, you know, I'm trying to work hard to try and change that and get more exposure for the girls, lift the bar, raise the bar of the level of women's wakeboarding. Thanks to my personal sponsors and them paying me, then clearly I make a living out of the spot and I'm a professional. You're killing it, girl, and I'll so, say it again. I'm going to say it again. You're you're definitely a role model and a positive mentor, and I, I really hope that uh, especially the young kids' parents are listening to this, boys and girls, but especially the girls. I mean, you, you have a lot of really insightful and positive things to say, and I think that's really, really good for our sport in general. Could you ever see a girl competing with the guys? Yeah, for sure. You know, I used to compete against the guys on the Australian Pro Tour. Um, I competed against the guys for the first two years of the Australian Pro Tour, and then we got a women's division. By all means, there's no reason why a girl can't go and compete in the Pro Card event, get a Pro Card, and um, enter in the Pro Men's division. It's, you know... Girls just need to be doing mob fives <laughs> yeah. and nines to be able to hold their own there. in that in that contest. You're so. getting there. So to go back, some of your firsts, like the double the double flip, was on a cable. Um, but of course, a lot of them were on the boat. Right now, we're we're kind of seeing a lot more cable events pop up. One event in particular I'm talking about is the Wake Park Triple Crown. The same weekend as the California Pro Wakeboard Tour stop at Cajun X Cable in what is Lafayette, Louisiana, is holding an event. Are you planning to compete at that event? Um, I won't be. I can hit kickers and uh, and yeah, two tricks off the kickers. But yeah, I think that weekend I'm at a, I'm in Texas for the Malibu Riders experience. All right, yeah. So, yeah, whenever, like, there's... Generally on the weekends of the Pro Tour stops, I'm, like, doing a riders experience or I'm doing a girls' clinic. Are you doing all the riders' experiences? I'm doing California and Texas. Cool. See you in California. Yeah. That'll be fun. We'll be hanging out there. Yeah. And then Haley and I are going to go up to the Midwest. 
and we're doing um yeah, we're going to do two days of uh, some girls' clinics up there. Awesome. You guys, so, you and Haley, planning to go up to Radar at all? Um, I don't think we're going to go to Radar. We're going to um, go up to, like, around Branson with... Uh, Grant? Yeah. Beefcake? Grant. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Radix um, crew up there. Yeah, that's that that should be fun. I, I, was, I was, like, thinking in my head, I'm like, man... Uh, you're on Ronix now, and before you were on Ronix, you are probably one of the only riders ever invited to Radar to yeah. film. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I mean, I was, um, you know, with Sets in Motion and filming for the all-women's wakeboard movie, Haley wanted to film at Radar, and uh, she designed a rail, and they built it for at Radar, and so to make it happen... Um, Oakley was backing it as well and so between Oakley and Ronix we had a rail and we had um, you know two filmers to just film two female wakeboarders which was so awesome yeah. and uh, yeah Paul allowed me to go up to Radar and um, Paul O'Brien yep, such Paul a cool O'Brien guy allowed me to go up there film up there so we um, filmed like every day a couple days before the pro tour stop up there in Monroe and then after the pro tour stop we filmed at night so Saturday night we were filming under lights until about 1 a.m. and then I woke up the next morning to ride in finals on Sunday which is like it was pretty cool and um yeah it was just awesome because was I was just so focused on making that movie happen and really you know, awesome. Haley was super stoked about it and really wanted to are those are those sets in motion or are those all on your blog spot on your blog page they are on the Oakley YouTube page or there's links there's a sets in motion Facebook page that you can uh, also I know they're, they're on. Uh, on the wing wetsuits page yeah <laughs> they're on wing.com.au you can find them anywhere they're yeah. everywhere Check it it's, out. it's a free download you can download the movie for free it's really cool so that's cool um, there's setsinmotionfilm.com. I've got something really cool planned out to finish off our interview here, but before we do that, on your blog post, you also had mentioned partnering up with Melissa Marquette on some ideas that you and Melissa have had over the past few years on a all-women's event. Has any of that progressed? Um, yeah, we're working on it. Um, you know, Melissa and I have been friends for 11 years, 12 years now. So she always wanted to put on um, a contest and we've been working on it. Um, When I was in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, I met with this girl who's been trying to get permits for the event site. So yeah, step by step, we don't know what the date is. We're just trying to get the permits and, and get the, you know, the main organization of the event happening. Do the event in Arizona. I like that. Do the event in Arizona. That's good. And also, do you have to have a woman's announcer? Or could you see the noise of the North fitting in on this event? Yeah. I'm a huge Shred Sisters fan. I'm sure you could fit in with the event. Yeah. It's, you know, we have a lot of women trying to, you know, do behind the scenes, but we definitely encourage any guys who support women's wakeboarding. That's for cool. sure. That's me for sure. For yeah. sure. And we actually have a shred sisters shirt and uh, we are going to um, go ahead and have you sign that. And we're going to give that thing away. Cool. So, Real quick here. I've got a few fan questions. These are for real too. These yeah. aren't like me just making them up. And awesome. I, I really promise you this. I've been asking for weeks. You probably saw that I posted that on Facebook. You Did you or did you I not? I didn't even see. No. Mm, I wasn't trying to hide it from you. I really wasn't. 
Pat from Minocqua asks, Amber, how has it been since making the switch and riding on Ronix? Um, yeah, it's been totally awesome. I've been, you know, out at Lake Ronix. So to be out there and be able to use the facilities out there and also like working with the team, like Tab Dallas Friday, myself and Haley Smith, all on one board company. Like it's just so awesome. And yeah, we're really trying to work together and, and, you know, grow women's wakeboarding. Felicia from South Carolina asks, this is a good one. How do you manage to focus and control your nerves before riding in a competition? Yeah, that one's always, always a bit tricky. Um, you know, definitely just keeping that positive mind frame and uh, just reassuring yourself that, that you can do it and not second guessing yourself. That's the biggest thing. You've just um, leading up to the event when you get there, like leave everything behind. You've spent so many days on the water and uh, you know that you can land the tricks. So just keep calm and I do a bit of yoga before um, before I compete just to keep myself calm and to get all my muscles awake and then, yeah, just go out there and I when the boat takes off, I'm just think to myself, just have fun, cut hard and uh, do what I do every day. Very cool. That's a good question, right? Yeah. I got one more. Okay. Mo from Surf City. You know where that is, right? Where's Surf City? The Gold Coast. Oh, yeah. The Goldie. Uh, how is your relationship with Dallas Friday since both of you are very competitive and have been competing for so long? Uh, Dallas and I definitely um, have an awesome mutual respect of each other. When I landed a double flip, you know, she came up to me and personally congratulated me and said how stoked she was and that you know that really pushed her and and that really excited her to ride and you know Dallas Friday is the most famous name in female wakeboarding in history and will be you know forever like no one's going to win an SB or that many X Games you know wakeboarding's not in X Games anymore so I think that she's definitely a legend in the sport and she definitely respects me for my riding and so we talk a lot on the phone and we've been dealing with you know, developing some uh, new boots for the women's line and, and new boards and stuff. And I mean, you know, we've both been testing the product. So yeah, it's been really cool to work with her and, and we definitely respect each other and, and each other's writing. So yeah, we have a good friendship. Dallas is a very cool girl and definitely going to have her here on the Golden Mike podcast. Awesome. Hopefully sooner than later. Uh, Amber, before we finish up, I want to give you a chance to thank your sponsors and let the listeners of the Golden Mike podcast know uh, how to find you through social media. Yeah, well, definitely Oakley. They're the bomb. You know, they've supported me for so many years and Rockstar Energy Drink. They've, uh, they're amazing, you know, they support our contests and our free riding. Malibu Boats provide me with a beautiful 22MXC that we absolutely love riding behind. Ronix Wakeboards, love and being on the family. And Wing Wetsuits, my, uh, my vest and all my neoprene. And uh, yeah, you can find me amberwing.com.au uh, or on Twitter, amberwingwake. And on Facebook, I'm facebook.com forward slash Amber Wing Wake. And on Instagram, Amber Wing. 
Cool. There it is. Went a little longer than I thought, but <laughs> there's so much to talk about and there's so much more. Uh, so um, we're going to have to have you back. You cool? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Dano. Thank you, fun. Amber. Thanks for thanks for uh, being here on the Golden Mike Podcast. And guys, send us your feedback and questions for Amber and future guests at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. And we'll be right back with upcoming events and appearances here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Hey guys, are you interested in advertising on noiseofthenorth.com? Maybe you'd like to sponsor a segment in or become a sponsor of the Golden Mike Podcast. Go to noiseofthenorth.com, scroll to the bottom and click on our sponsorship opportunities. All right, guys, here's some upcoming events you can catch me at. The last two Wednesdays in June, that's the 18th and the 25th, I'll be performing with the Aquana Water Ski Show in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. They have shows all summer long, Saturdays and Wednesday nights from Memorial Day all the way through Labor Day. You can check out my website, noiseofthenorth.com, for more details on that. Uh, after that, I'll be at the first two stops of the Malibu Rider Experience. Stop two of the 2014 Malibu Rider Experience. That's June 19th through the 22nd in a town called Lathrop, California at the Moss Del Quarry. From the Malibu Rider Experience, well, I'm going to be taking the Red Eye back home to Wisconsin where I'm going to be spending the summer. That's the night of the 22nd. Because on the 23rd of June, it's the Sherry Amor Memorial Golf Outing in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. And this is a very special event to me. Sherry Amor was a close friend of mine who passed away 12 years ago after her battle with leukemia. I'm still very close with the family. Uh, they're Aquanuts. I stood in her brother's wedding. And uh, I've actually raised some money in Sherry's honor and for... Uh, for her memorial, the Sherry Amor Memorial and the MAC Fund Midwest Athletes Against Childhood Cancer in the past. This year, I'm going to be selling some Dunkin' Yo-Yos on the golf course to raise money. Dunkin' uh, has donated a handful of Yo-Yos for the cause. Woodrow Sunglasses and my friends at Old Smoky Tennessee Moonshine are all sponsoring my efforts to raise some money in my friend Sherry's honor. I finished the month of June back up in California for the second stop of the Mastercraft Pro Wakeboard Tour. That's June 27th and 28th, and we're gonna be back at the Mossdale Quarry out there in Lathrop, California. Uh, the site is sick. I think they've even held Barefoot Nationals there. It's a great place for toad water sports. I wanna thank Amber Wing one more time for being here with us this week on the Golden Mike Podcast. And I want to remind everybody not to forget to check out all the media from our time on the water on www.noiseofthenorth.com. Got some really cool stuff with Amber. Tweet me on social media, Twitter at the Dano T Mano, on Instagram at Dano T Mano. Once again, I want to thank you guys for listening, and you will hear me next time on the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm Dano the Mano, y'all. Peace.